Well, I'm excited to be here. Good. How's everybody doing? Yeah, awesome. Cool. Man, I haven't had a chance to come out and teach in a while, so I'm super excited to be here. Had a really big breakfast, so you guys hang in here for a little while. Uh, we should be out by three. No problem. All right? Cool. Yeah, that got your attention, didn't it? Good. Hey, before I get too far uh, in this thing, Matt, I want to tell our volunteers thank you. Can anybody help me say thank you to all of our volunteers? Listen, man, there's no way we could be doing this for five years without our volunteers. Those who take care of our kids, God bless them, right? Yes, thank you for taking care of our kids. I have a six-year-old over there right now with uh, Pastor Brian's wife, and we've already had a parent-teacher conference this morning, all right, before we even got started. That's cool. All of those folks that are serving coffee every single week, man, we love our coffee. Yes, yeah, somebody's clapping for some coffee. All of our folks in the back, they had done all of our audio, video, lighting stuff, our band, everybody, everybody that comes together and uh, makes this thing happen. So thank you so much for uh, our volunteers. There's one group of folks, we call them the crew, all right? They're not our hitmen. They're just the crew. They come at 7.30 every single Sunday morning to set this place up. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Show some love to our crew every Sunday. Just a few, uh, actually this morning, as a matter of fact, this morning, I got up. I get up at 5.30 on Sundays. So I'm, I'm here. The staff's here every single week with the crew. And I, and I get up. And uh, my six-year-old Chase meets me in the living room. Like, dude, you're six, man. You don't have to get up, right? So what are you doing? He said, Dad, I'm, I'm going with you this morning. Cool, man. I like to have some company. Come on. Man, how did you get up? Like, I, I set my alarm clock. How did you get up? Dad, I set my alarm. Man, there ain't no way. I'm 37 years old. I have trouble figuring out how to do an alarm clock. Like, how? how? He said, yeah. Hey, Google. Set my alarm for six. That's what the Joker did. He just, told, he just told his Google Home speaker just to do his own thing. It's like, so on the way in, it's like, I'm just testing him. Like, what, is your, what does the Google sound like? And he made some weird noise, and he said, I don't know. I think that's what it says. <laughs> it's so crazy. I remember. I remember um, when Marie and I first got married, uh, I remember, I don't know why I remember this, but it's kind of crazy. So we, we, you know, you get married, you share a bedroom, right? And then in the bedroom, we, bought, we brought both of our alarm clocks. This one, this one down here on the bottom, this was Marie's alarm clock. So we brought two alarm clocks into the bedroom. My eye started twitching, you know, because they were just a few seconds off and one to have a different number. And then we... We bought this Mac Daddy right here. This joker does two times. Little switch on the top. Y'all are not nearly as impressed with this as I was. It says wake one and wake two. We could share. This was a big purchase for us, right? Two working people, one clock, always on time. Like this was a pretty big deal for us. I thought it was pretty awesome. Now... Now, all I do with an alarm clock is just on my phone. I just always just do the phone alarm. It went off this morning. You know what all these alarm clocks have in common? You know all of them? Anybody? It, they all have a snooze button. Every one of these alarm clocks have a snooze button. Every one. Now, just by a show of hands, 
How many of you hit snooze this morning? Hold your hand up. Be proud of it. Hold your hand up way high. I can't see because these lights are in my face. How many? Keep your hand up. I didn't ask you to put them down yet. Hold your hand way. I can't see there. All right, keep your hand up. Keep your hands up. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. If you hit snooze only one time this morning, that's not even really count. Okay, that doesn't even count. Put your hand down if you hit snooze once this morning. Put your hand down if you hit snooze twice this morning. Oh my. Three times this morning. Oh, whoa. Four times. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Say it again. Oh my God. Right. Five times this morning. Oh, my daughter is winning. Six times this morning. Stephanie Gray, and you know this is going on the podcast. <laughs> Stephanie, how many times you hold, you put that snooze button on this morning? I have alarm set at thirty, but I didn't get up till five. You have an iPhone? You have an iPhone? Yeah. Anybody know how many minutes is the iPhone sleep? Yeah. Nine minutes. That's right, nine minutes. So you had what two hours of nine minutes? <laughs> that bless your heart. Now, all of you didn't raise your hand. I know what you do. You do this right here. This is you. Anybody? This is you. 5.45, rise and shine. Off. 6 o'clock, you're going to look hot today. 6.15, time to take a shower like it's getting serious. 6.30, oh, I'll scrap that. Just get up. 6.45, if you hurry, you might still look human today, all right? 7 o'clock, Stephanie, seriously, get up, all right? 7.15, you are now late and ugly. That does not apply to you. That does, I did this before I knew you were going to be the example, all right? So yeah, you just set like six or seven alarms so you don't hit the snooze button, right? I get you, I got you. The snooze button. Today, today I want to talk about um, I want to talk about something super serious. Something in our life that we hit the snooze button on way, way too often. It's a Christian principle that I want to talk about today. You see, the reality is when we hit the snooze button, did you know studies show when we hit the snooze button, the more times we hit the snooze button. The more tired you are throughout the day, anybody know that? Here's another fact. The more times you hit, it doesn't matter, you're still going to get up. You got to get up. No matter how many times you hit the snooze, you got to get up. Well, today, I want to talk about this Christian principle where we're hitting the snooze. And at some point, we're going to have to wrestle with this principle. And I want to wrestle with it today. Don't want to hit the snooze on this anymore. Today, I want to talk about Generosity. Generosity. Now look, don't leave yet, right? Don't just get up and walk. Don't hit the snooze button on this subject again. There's some things in life that we just have to wrestle through. And that's what we want to do today. We want to wrestle through this idea of generosity and to frame out our time that we have here today, this, there's one main point that I want you to take away. There's going to be some other stuff to write down, but this is the primary point for today. Write this down. Hitting snooze on giving delays Christian living. 
Hitting snooze on giving delays Christian living. Christians, look at me just for a moment. If, you, if you're not a Christ follower, just hang out. Just let me talk to the Christians for a minute, all right? Christians, Christ followers, look at me. We ought to live a different life. We ought to be different because we're Christians. We are Christ followers. We ought to do stuff that mimics Jesus Christ. There are things that ought to be different about our life. It's an honor to be a Christian. It's worshipful to be a Christian. There are great things that come along with being a Christian. We just need to be different people. And with this idea of being a different person, being different as Christians, and this idea of generosity, today I want to talk to you about some benefits of giving, benefits of generosity. This isn't like I'm going to beat you up and just just like tear you in two and like beat you over the head and make sure that you give. That's not it. I just want to share with you some of my life experiences, some things that have happened in my life that have only come about because of generosity. One of the first things that I want to tell you is a benefit. We find it in Acts 20.35. Acts 20.35 says this. It is more blessed to give than to receive. This might be a pretty familiar verse with you. You might have heard it somewhere before. But for whatever reason, like my mind gets hung up on the word blessed. Like we hear that's a pretty churchy word, right? We hear that all the time, but we don't really necessarily know what it means. Like, hey, be blessed, my brother. Be blessed. God bless you. Like, that's cool. Like, I'm not sneezing, right? Like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Here's this. Here's this. Write this down. A blessing is anything that God gives you, anything that God gives that makes us fully satisfied in him. A blessing is anything God gives us that makes us fully satisfied in him. And when we're talking about generosity, we're talking about money and possessions. God has given us great things so that we can be completely, fully satisfied in him. And scripture here, Acts 20, 35, what I just read to you wasn't the entire verse. Let's look at the entire verse. Acts 20, 35, in its entirety, NLT, says this, and I have been, uh, I have been constant, a consistent, rather, I've been a consistent example of how you can help those in need by working hard. By working hard. You should remember the words of Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Do you see this? Do you, do you see that, that the idea of hard work here in Acts 20, 35, is all about working hard so that we can give. Working hard so that we can give to other folks. Here we see this that is completely contrary to what we have and what we've heard, what we've been accustomed to, how we've gone, grown up and been ingrained into our society. 
I'm sure I'm not the only one that has heard, go get a job, get a really good job. It doesn't matter if you like it or not, go get a well-paying job. If you get a well-paying job, that means it's a good, good job, even if you don't like it. And when you get that good-paying job, then you're going you're gonna to be able to buy that best house that you want and the best car that you want. You're going to be able to pay for the best uh, kids, ed, kids' education, the best colleges. You're going to have the best Christmas parties on the block. You're going to be the, the coolest person showing up to birthday parties with the best gifts. You're going to have the best clothes, the best shoes. You're going to have the best everything. So go, go and receive, go, go and receive all the income that you can and your life will be awesome. That's quite contrary to what we see in the book of Acts. It's just not the Christian way to do it. I wrote this down in my notes and I want to talk through this a little bit with you. When we have an income, when we have possessions, we can only do two things with those. We can have an income to have, and we can have an income to give. We can have an income to have, and we can have an income to give. Which one of those, you're going to do both, which one of those is a priority in your life? Which one's a priority? Are you working to receive or are you working to give? This is, this is a pretty hard concept, really. But it's something that we should think about. We should wrestle with through our Christian living because we're realizing that when we hit snooze on giving, we delay Christian living. We delay the blessing. We delay complete, full full satisfaction in Jesus. So with generosity comes blessing. With generosity also comes security. With generosity comes security. I'm going to read a translation. It's from the message. It's a a paraphrased translation. This is a, a really cool translation to read from. If you just want to understand what the original writer meant and how it can apply to us today. It's a really cool translation. It's not the best for word for word study and just getting down into the original languages and all that stuff, but just a good overall feeling of what the, the scripture intended. The message is a great paraphrase translation. I want to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 9 as we talk about generosity. With generosity comes security. Listen to how the message talks through uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says this, remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think this over and to make up in your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in giving God can pour on blessings. We just talked about that. God can pour on blessings in astonishing ways so that you are ready for everything, for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, he throws cautions to the winds, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways will never run out Never wear out this most generous God 
who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your mills is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something that you can then give away. He gives you something that you can then give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, produce, producing with us great praise to God. With generosity comes security. The way this is supposed to work According to this passage, the way this is supposed to work is that as we are, are out working and making money and as we have possessions, we ought to be thinking first of how we can give. We ought to be thinking first of who are the needy and how can we help. In God's economy, there is always enough to go around. Now, some of you might be in this room right now. And say, you know what? I, I don't have. I don't have anything to give. I, I'm actually in some great need. And, and you're telling me that there's great security and generosity. What does that even mean? This passage is telling us. This passage is saying that some of us have. Some of us need. And with those of us who need, those of us that have ought to help those that need. And at some point, those that used to have need, they will eventually have, and then they can help those others that might have a need. And who knows, the tables might flip and flop throughout your life. Who knows what it is? But I am convinced, according to Scripture, that God provides all of our needs. The bottleneck is us. We just don't give we're not generous like Christ was generous to us. We like to hold on and we like to hoard. We think that it, receiving is a greater blessing than giving, so we work hard so that we can have and receive and have and receive, just ignoring all the needs that are around us. Some of us even go a step further and say, you know what, I'm going to pray for that person that has a need, knowing full well that with some sacrifices on your own, you can help. Step up. Let's help. Let's make sure that God's economy is security for all. I love the, the picture here of God giving the seed and to the planter. And then in the, the harvest, there is great, great grain for bread for all to have. It all comes from God. Everything that you possess, everything that I have has all come from God anyway. It's what we do with it that matters. It is great, great security. An interesting fact, a UN United Nations report from 2017, the headline of the report, hunger and obesity are skyrocketing at nearly the same rate. That's pretty crazy. Obesity and hunger are equally rising. I mean, that just should just show you that there's great need. 
We just got to give. We've got to, Christians, we've got to step up. We've got to give. Make sure you're generous. Don't be hoarders. Be givers. Be givers. In all of generosity, in all of giving, we can find security. We, with whatever possessions we have, ought to go out and love and serve and care and give and support everyone that we can that has a need. With generosity comes blessings, with generosity comes security, and with generosity comes purpose. Matthew 6.21 says this, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Some translations just, just get straight to the point. Some translations just say where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There your heart will be also. I love the way that the message, paraphrase translation, writes this out. I want to read this to you from the message. Matthew 6, 21 in the message. Don't hoard treasures down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust. Or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from the moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Like, if, you ever, if you ever look at, at your balance at the end of the month, if you ever look at your bank statement at the end of the month, if you ever look at your budget, I just said the B word, my bad. If you ever look at your plan, ever look at your plan, right? Where's all your money going? That's where your treasure is. Is your money going to giving or is your money going to keeping? Are you just receiving? The reality is that we have a purpose in giving. When we, we have a purpose when we give. The purpose is this, that it's not our money, it's God's money. And we're just supposed to be great stewards of his money. So when we give, when we give, there is purpose to our life. When we give, we understand that it doesn't originate from me. It's not just about the hard work that I do throughout the week to have an income. The reality is that God gives the seed. The reality is that God gives the paycheck. The reality is that God gives us what we have. What are we going to do with it? And when we give, we're telling God, I am putting you first in all things, even the things that are most precious to me, and that would be my possessions. You can write this down. The only way to show that you treasure God and not possessions is through giving. There's nothing else you can do. When we're talking about generosity, when we're talking about possessions, the only way to show God that he is the most important thing in your life when it comes to possessions and money is to give. There's great purpose in giving. Great purpose in giving. So here we are. With generosity comes blessing. With generosity comes security. With generosity comes purpose. When we hit snooze, it delays blessings. When we hit snooze on giving, it delays security. When we hit snooze on giving, it delays purpose. When we hit snooze on giving, it delays 
Christian living. We have to stop hitting the snooze so that we can live as Christ would have us live. All of this is great stuff. When we give, we get a blessing. When we give, we get security. When we give, we, give, we have purpose in our life. Like nothing else can do apart from giving. All that is great news. And the icing on the cake is this, is that giving is easy. Giving is easy. The problem is we just don't like to do it. C.S. Lewis has something to share about what you like and what you don't like. I love this content from C.S. Lewis. It's from Mere Christianity, uh, book three, chapter nine. His chap- this chapter is all about charity. And here's what C.S. Lewis says about whether or not you like something. Liking is neither a sin nor a virtue. Don't like, let your likes guide you. It's not a sin or a virtue. Any more than your likes or dislikes for food are a sin or a virtue. If you don't like cheese, you're not sinning. He says, it is just a fact. Your likes are just a fact. But of course, what you do about it is either sinful or virtuous. We have seen today that scripture is very clear that there's a there's an expectation that God has for Christians to be a generous people and there's blessings and security and purpose that come along with it. And even when we don't feel like it, we ought to give anyway. There's a rule that C.S. Lewis continues with uh, in this idea of charity. Here's the rule that he says. He says the rule for all of us is perfectly simple. Don't waste time bothering whether you love whether you like, whether you want to, your neighbor, to give to your neighbor, just act as if you did. It's the actions. It's the actions that are sinful or virtuous. Even when we don't give, we know we ought to. We should just give anyway. And, and in this chapter, C.S. Lewis talks about The more you do something because you know you're supposed to, even if you don't want to, then you start wanting to because you're doing because you're supposed to. It's just just a habit that forms. So when you start giving because you're supposed to, you start enjoying it, and then you start wanting to. We give and give and give, and it continues and continues. That is Christian living. Giving is simple. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know where you are with giving. I don't know. I just don't know. There's just no way for me to know that. But here's what I do know. That no matter where you are, no matter where you are, you can always do more than what you're doing now. So this is what we like to say. If you're not giving at all, if you're not generous in any capacity at all, then what we would say to you is just give something. Just give something. When you give something, like you're not on a plan right now anyway, most likely you're not on a plan. So when you just give something, you're just kind of throwing money around anyway. Just throw some money towards giving and start acting like you're a generous person by being generous. And that's just a plan before the actual plan kicks in. Just start 
giving something, $5, $10, $100, whatever it is, just give something. Just start this initiative of being generous. Just give. Give something. And remember, if you snooze, you lose. If you snooze on generosity, you're not going to get the blessings, you're not going to get the security, you're not going to get any of the stuff that we talked about, that you're not going to have purpose in your life. So stop hitting the snooze on giving and delaying Christian living. Just give something. For those of you who are giving something, but it's just kind of haphazard, then I would say to you, do this. Give 10%. To give 10%, you have to have a plan. A plan, another way to say that is the B word, budget. You got to have a budget. If you're going to give 10%, you got to have a budget. And we don't have a tremendous amount of time today to actually just kind of dive into budgeting stuff, but let me give you a couple of pointers, okay? To give 10%, you got to have a plan. And when you have a plan, that means you're going to have to look at what your expenses are. When you look at your expenses from last month, just tally everything up. Have you given last month, according to your bank statement, did you give 10% to giving? No, that's why we're having this conversation. So start giving 10% towards giving. Did you give, spend more than 10% on food? Yes, I'm sure you spent more than 10% on food. That's what we do, right? Did you spend 10% on utilities? Like, do you have to have everything that cable offers? Do you have to have cable and satellite? Do you have to have all of that stuff? Check your utilities. Is it within 10% of your overall budget? Entertainment, are you going out to eat so often? Are you going to, to just do fun stuff all the time? Is your entertainment line item, is it 10% of your budget? The answer to all of those is for you is probably everything is over 10% and giving is probably very close to zero. So what you need to do is you need to bring all of those things down to 10% so that you can bring your giving up to 10%. The reality is that if you've never done a budget, Dave Ramsey says the first time you do a budget, you give yourself a pay raise because you find money that you didn't know you had. And I'll tell you, every single time I have sat down and went through some financial counseling with a couple or an individual, every single time they've had a lot more money than they know that they had. We find money they didn't even know that they had. One family spent all their money at Rite Aid. I don't know why. They like Rite Aid, right? So we sat down. We started talking about their budget. They're not giving you Rite Aid anymore. When's the last time you've seen a Rite Aid? Right? Right? <laughs> they had a major problem. They were funding all of Rite Aid, okay? We got them on a budget. Walgreens, okay? That just, it just happened. Canceled one family, uh, canceled one family, and all of their money was going to Monster Drinks and Gatorade at the gas station. Uh, some of y'all gasp like it hurt. I know, I know. Like, dude, go to Sam's, right? They spent money they didn't know they had because it was convenient because they didn't have a plan. So I'll tell you this, if you don't have a plan, I would love to sit down with you. Any of us on staff would be glad to sit down with you. We have some resources on our website that you can look at, that you can help. You can kind of do this thing yourself, but it always helps to have somebody there. I promise you, I have never, ever beat anybody up physically, all right? I have made people cry. That's true. A grown man cried one time, twice, I think, when we sat down. But that's okay. This thing hurts. It hurts, right? 
So if you're not giving anything, give something. If you are giving something, let's have a plan. Let's do 10%, okay? Let's do 10%. If you're giving, well, before we do that, 10%. Listen, this is not some churchy thing, okay? It's not some churchy 10%, oh, really crazy, magical thing out of the Old Testament 10%. No, it's 10% because it's easy, right? I like looking at $100, taking off the zero, 10% is $10. If you make $1,000 a month, you take off a zero, then 10% is $100. 10% is just easy math. It's not some hyper-spiritual number that you're going to be extra blessed from, okay? I just want you to know 10% is easy. That's why I say 10%, all right? Cool? Cool. If you're giving 10%, you can do more. If you're not giving anything, give something. If you are giving something, give 10%, have a plan. If you're giving 10%, we are encouraged throughout Scripture to give and give more. And here's how you can make that happen. In order to give more, maybe start giving out of another line item in your budget. For example, if you have a restaurant line item in your budget... And let's just say you spend $100 a month, that's your budget, for going out to eat. Don't spend all $100 on you and your family. Maybe once a month from now on, once a month out of that $100, you're going to help another family that is beside of you. Maybe you're going to pay for the person behind you in the drive through You can be generous out of other line items in your budget, right? And that's going to take your generosity up a notch. Another great way to take your generosity up a notch is instead of giving 10%, what we would say to your local church, so to your church home, wherever that might be for you, maybe start giving 15% to your local Christian organization that is spreading the love and, and hope of Jesus Christ. Maybe start giving 15%, but here's how the budget works. If you're going to move from 10% to 15%, then other line items in your budget is going to have to fall. So instead of spending 10%, which is my recommendation, earlier on, instead of spending 10% on these things, maybe spend 5% on food, 5% on utilities, 5% on entertainment. Maybe stop consuming so much for yourself so that you can start giving more and more away. Again, there are ways for us to give, and even if we don't want to, we ought to, and when we give, it's just going to create a great habit with great benefits, the benefits of generosity. I'm going to leave you with this. I said this a few weeks ago. Something we have got to, got to kind of get in our brains. That your money and your possessions, they're going to leave your hands at some point. But they don't have to leave your life. Give to something so that you can see your money doing work around you. Help other people around you by being generous. So my challenge for you today and for the rest of your life is to go and be generous. Go, be blessed. Go, be secure. Maybe for the first time for some of you. Go, be purposeful with your life. And remember this, that hitting this news on giving delays Christian living. Let's pray. God, today we have tackled a conversation and a topic that, quite frankly, a lot of times we don't want to hear. We don't want to wrestle with it. It's a conversation that we particularly don't want to talk about in church. But God, you know my heart. You know the heart of our team that has been prayerfully considering this topic for several weeks, months now. And God, you know our heart. It's not something that we want from everybody. It's something that we We want for our folks. We want for our own lives. 
to be blessed and to have security and to have purpose. So God, today in generosity, this generosity conversation, we start helping us want to give. God, I pray, as Pastor Brian oftentimes says, if if our church were to stop uh, existing, we were cease to exist, would our city mourn? The only way our city is going to mourn is if we were being generous to our city. So God, may this church continue to be the great church of generosity that we are, and may we begin to give even more so that your name can be spread further and further so that just maybe every man, woman, and child can have repeated opportunities to hear, see, and respond to the good news of your son, Jesus Christ. So God, I thank you for today. I thank you for for guiding us. I thank you for your blessings and your security and your purpose in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.